November 18, 2020. It's the Watt for Pedro Show. You'll never be able to convince me that the deranged, murderous eyes of Mr. Red are not Rick Weaver after he puts away his six-pack on a Sunday morning and whiles away his time conversing with bots whose grammar is not up to the snuff that is in Mr. Red's bulging lower lips. In the throes of crazed passion, Mr. Red begins to smell like a rutting animal, and he has debilitating seizures that causes the Red's general management to hire a handler who follows him around with a Oh, man. 
Live for Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Mercules. Mercury's Day, right? Uh, middle of the month. Damn. Start off the show with Countdown. John Coltrane. Uh, well, you can hear someone making fucking noise. Where are you calling me from, Zach? Knoxville? Pretty close to Knoxville. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm calling from uh, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. I'm living on a farm in Cosby, Tennessee, about an hour away from Knoxville. I know, I know that I-40 I East route when you go into North Carolina. It's, actually, it's kind of dangerous. <laughs> you know, about, Dollywood's out there, right? I'm about, yeah, I'm about 30 minutes away from Dollywood, in yeah, fact, yes. Yeah. Much respect to her. She's been pretty stand-up, and she's always been a great singer, songwriter. She is a great songwriter. I should also tell people that we heard uh, Coons. How do you pronounce this? Coons? Uh, Coons. <laughs> or Coons. Okay. Well, you know English. You don't know until you hear the guy say it, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, so Coons, okay. Because uh, yeah. D. Boone, right? He didn't have a U in there, but it, it don't matter. It don't matter. That's just for writing. It's not for fucking speaking and listening. So Coons and uh, Coons and Weaver with Mr. Red. And Mr. Red, people, is part of this whole uh, collection of tunes that uh, Zach here and Mr. Weaver. I, I guess it, uh, he, Rick was on the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. About a couple of months ago. They, they put this together in uh, memory or whatever, ce celebration of a, a certain kind of Cincinnati Red team in the early 90s, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The... Uh... The only Cincinnati Reds team that won in the uh, 20th century. The only the only Cincinnati Red team that won the World Series in the 20th century. Yeah, they used to beat up on the Dodgers in the, the other century. <laughs> Call, I've called yeah. them the big, the big Red Machine. Anyway, That's uh, right. uh, yeah, uh, I'm not man alone because of this wonderful invention called Skype and the Estonian software engineers have brought it to us. We can connect. What's the name of the little town? Cosby, Tennessee. Cosby, like Bill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're well. Uh, okay. Well, those things happen. You know, it's also like Bing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that had an R. That had an R. <laughs> I, I, when I met uh, Les Paul, he told me about being in uh, Bing Crosby uh, trio for many years, torn with him and stuff. Uh, Zach, will you please, for the listeners and myself, give us your earliest musical recollection? Uh, let's see here. I'd say my grandfather used to sing this song, which I, I, I eventually tracked down uh, about pawpaws. Um, he'd use my name, but I think the I think the original name was Little Susie. And it was like, where, oh, where, where's Little Susie? Way down yonder in the pawpaw patch. So the pawpaws are a native fruit to Appalachia. Uh, my grandfather was uh, a backwoods herbalist. So we'd, go, we'd be going out and... Uh, you know, looking for different medicinal and edible plants, and he would sing different old folk songs. So that's probably my earliest memory yeah, of, probably, of music. Probably the human voice is one of the, our first instruments Yeah, for, for music. I think the other one was our feet. That They're probably the first drumsticks, and it came from dan <laughs> dancing and uh, beating on the earth as it was a drum head. That's just Watt's guess. I don't have a lot of evidence, but <laughs> Seems yeah, it'd be tough sense. to get evidence on that. I mean, I, you know, I had a a drummer man, Ryan, on the show who turned a guitar, and we were talking about the fucking value of drummers and how they're put down and made to, into cartoon characters of retarded people. And stuff. it's just incredible shit. Anyway, get away from that. This is your story. So in this pad where you grew up, was it close to where you are now? 
No. Well, yes and no. It's not too far away. It's it, I, I'd say it's the same region. So I'm still I'm still in Appalachia. I grew up in rural West Virginia. Okay. Uh, yeah. About five hours away from where I'm at now, but but same bioregion more or less. Yeah, you're more it's east. Still, you're more east these days, right? Okay. These days, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in in the pad you grew up in, was there musical instruments before your besides your grandpa's voice? No, I don't think so. No. I started playing music very young, but it it wasn't a family thing. No, no one in my family really played music. What about at school? Were you in the choir, the marching band or shit like that? <laughs> uh no, but I started playing I started playing guitar when I was pretty young, and uh, I started playing with uh, bluegrass groups. No, how did that happen? 14, how, how, how did you get on the guitar? Who brought? Since there wasn't one in the pad, someone must have brought one in, right? Yeah, I went over to a friend's house, and he had this beat-up old guitar that he got for Christmas or something like that. It was like this old F-hole uh, acoustic guitar, and he he didn't want to play it. And I was at that time, I was already writing a lot, and uh, really wanted to really wanted to play music so i just started picking it up and you know i kind of i took to it pretty quickly i'll now, put it that way when you say writing you mean literature mm -hmm. or do you mean songs both both i started writing songs i i started like writing acapella songs at like five or six years old i'd i'd, I'd write little ditties and kind of like I'd, I'd, it would be almost be like Looney Tunes music behind it. That was like my musical reference was like Raymond Scott or Looney Tunes or something like that. You know, putting really or Spike Jones kind of a wild ass. <laughs> you know, you listen to that stuff without watching a cartoon, and it's crazy. I mean, it really is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can I ask you? First record you bought with your own money, please. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was Towns Van Zant. Um, it was high. It was high, low, and in between, and uh, and the late great Towns Van Zandt. They put those two albums on one CD. So that was the first CD I ever bought with my own money. Yeah, because you know when you're young, you ain't got a lot of money, so you're gonna spend. <laughs> what What about the first gig you saw, Zach? The first gig I, I guess the first gig I saw, I actually, I, I kind of played. I was playing with these bluegrass guys, and they they snuck me in to this bar that they were playing with, and I. So I, 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 so you were actually I, I, audience and on stage. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I played with them and then, you know, kind of like snuck over to a little part of the bar where, you know, they wouldn't notice a 15-year-old right. boy was in there. Like, it, it was a honky-tonk. It was very much a honky-tonk kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that's interesting that the first show you see, you actually get to, you know, play both roles. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, and that's, that, that's a trip. And it probably made... Maybe if you don't even realize it, impression on you. It was informative, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Absolutely. I want to play uh, Ron Dibble here.
Of a Moab, get your throat slashed in the dash like the Incredibles. Credited cash collecting like shooting crabs from sites to fish. Shoot at and get shot back. Then I fade to black like club corners. Sip a Corona for the boost. They mobile keep rolling like the motor eternal. Turn the stage in the ass. Stay on the grind like folders. Folding out of option. My mama wasn't raising soldiers. So your best bet to shut up or show up as I continue to rise. Just like the solar. Show your commander in chiefs. Who the fuck I be? The peacemakers taking over for sheriffs and deputies. On a global scale, we raise the hell like to see the Satan himself. Sit him down and tell him how he feel. Never apply, never mind the thick or ask the world why. Satisfied with nine to five from corporations running the world drive. Resources, please seek more slim. Surprised with what's behind the door and under the surface. Hidden truths got the whole world hurt. Orphans. Papa's got a brand new bag. Orphans. Papa's got a brand new bag. Colorful ghettos like polluted skies It's you and I, the universe, they made one Divide, true rebellion, they just trying to survive It's creating a new way of life If everything y'all was able to magnetize Magic emotion, everything else is hocus pocus My vision, my focus, fans like coke is Always got their nose in it So I keep my foot on my pivot And my head on the swivel You follow my eyes, laws, walk a line in the middle It's needle thin, love is something great It can feed a billion men Sacrifice a pain and forward Don't limit it to what is By definition, and from the Roman to percent politicians follow the most high we all truly be gifted Orphans Papa's got a brand new bag Orphans Papa's got a brand new bag Orphans Papa's got a brand new
Sabo has drank the milk of paradise. And in his right hand, he is holding a Colt Frontier 45 caliber with a seven and a half inch barrel, as if to say, this is a stick up world. His teeth have been chiseled to gleaming points. The strap on his sports goggles is made out of the black and yellow hide of the banded crate snake that he killed when he was staying in a small village in Myanmar. In other words, Chris Sabo is formidable. His brown 88 Ford Escort has 572,000 miles, and he is driving by the I-75 overpass where his devotees painted Chris Sabo died for our sins. Chris Sabo didn't die for my sins, but I can tell you one thing. If I was Cal Ripken, I would stay out of his way when he's running bases if I wanted to keep my Iron Man streak going.
chunk of music off with Coons and Weaver doing Ron Dibble, who's another one of that red team, ring team, the ring team. For <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about that, Mike, if, if you wouldn't mind. Go ahead. We got, we actually, we actually got Rob Dibble to endorse the album. He's on Cameo. <laughs> so we, we paid him 50 bucks and he's like, uh, he was always referred to as the nasty boy. So he's, you know, he came on the screen and said, hey, y'all, it's the nasty boy, Rob Dibble. And I want to tell you all about Coons and Weaver and their new album. <laughs> and this, you know, he's like really aggressive and pointing at the screen. It was a it was a it's a really funny promo. <laughs> can, can I ask you what's Cameo? It's a it's a like an app that you can go to that you can basically you can find different quote unquote celebrities on there and they can wish people happy birthday. They can do promo for 
album releases. Okay, that's, they enough, can... that's enough. <laughs> yeah. The, the celebrity I want to talk to is Zach Coons. Okay, we, <laughs> we had uh, brand new from Nappy Napa, the mobile home, model home, uh, rapper, singer. He's got a solo record in Bags for the Lost. And Zach Coons after that. Now, what happened was we got the the baseball thing with the Reds, okay? But then I also got from Zach songs he wrote and did himself. And so you're going to hear a lot of Zach Coons this show. <laughs> Hopefully not too much. No, yeah, I can't get enough. I love it, dude. You do, Thank you. You're fucking rolling. The Deathless grind of li Ground of Life. And then MSSV, this is Mike Baguetta, who's in... Uh, Knoxville, not too far from you, with uh, uh, well, the other, uh, other side of the Italian 7-inch, when the Horden has ended. And, uh, yeah, that, that just came out. And we did that during this uh, quick Quarantino mode. Chris Sabo, after that, from the Coons and Weaver Reds record. Uh, Maria Cipolli doing the cella, this area. Uh, piece that uh, Stefano Palia, who's a uh, uh, guitar man for El Sonio de Marinaio, which I, I've been playing with him over 10 years now, and we're getting ready to uh, put out our Terzo, third album. Uh, Zach Coons after that with Driving on the Bypass, then Mark and the Ricks, no, Johnny Mark and the Ricks, which has got the late, great Frankie Anwi from Suburban Lawns, with Hanky, must be some internal slang <laughs> kind of feeling, and then finally Coons and Weaver with Randy Myers. Yeah, I detect a pattern here. <laughs> kind of players' <laughs> names. Yeah. Okay. Now let's get back to your early music thing. So you don't do music in school, but you're doing it outside of school, like at hockey talks and shit like this. This guy who had the guitar, I guess he wasn't using it, so you did. Exactly. Yep. But you go on from the guitar, right? You learn everything. I, I did start to learn everything. I, I, I kind of found, I, as I picked up a guitar, I, I found that pretty much anything with strings I could figure out pretty quickly. Um, so I picked up mandolin and, and, and banjo. Uh, and I did, I think one year in school, I played saxophone, alto saxophone. So I learned enough root, like rudimentary. I hated bands. So I think I didn't last very long in that, but... I learned enough rudimentary stuff and then I started really listening to a lot of jazz. So I started picking up different, you know, alto tenor and uh, soprano sax. Um, I picked up clarinet. Um, after that, I found that, you know, I don't know, it, it woodwinds. I found that once I picked up one, I could kind of figure out how to play all of them in my own way. You know, brother Steve in the Stooges, told me that clarinet guys can go to sax, but it's hard for sax guys to go to clarinets because they got the, the licorice stick has got the, the keys with holes. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm ignorant. That's just what you told me. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't consider myself an expert on the clarinet, but I can kind of figure, I can figure out how to, I guess what I, what I do because I do so much multi-tracking is I always figure out a way to make the instrument work the way I want it to work. And because I do it all at home, I can take as much time as I need. So I'm not, I'm certainly not an expert clarinet player, but if I practice and really put a lot of effort into it, 
in about four hours, I can get a pretty, pretty maybe longer, can get a pretty decent clarinet part in there that, that sounds good with the song at any rate, I think. Ain't it a trip that nobody's rocking it these days? Hardly when it was used to be huge. Artie Shaw. I mean, you know, it could cut through, right? Yeah. But it just fell out of, it fell out of fashion or whatever. There's something about the sax. It's got that growl that I hear kind of in a fuzz tone of an electric guitar like Jimmy brought. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can kind of like roll your tongue when, on it when you're, you know, you can kind of get that 50 sax sound by like rolling your tongue on it. So you yeah, get that like, there's something like da, 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 da. and maybe that you just couldn't, uh, but not, you know, I'll tell you a clarinet guy, although it was bass clarinet, Eric Dolphy. Oh my God. With John oh Coltrane. man. Yeah. Yeah. His pop built him a prac pad in his backyard downtown LA here. Uh, let me ask you. Now you're living not around a lot of people, did, but did you get into bands? You know, you know the garage band, basement band, uh, bedroom band kind of trip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was in, I was pretty much in any band that where someone would have me. <laughs> Basically, in high school, if there was if there was a band and they needed somebody to play an instrument, I would come in and play that instrument. Uh, so I, I was in a high school. I was in a surf rock band. I played guitar in a surf rock band. Um, I played in kind of like a really noisy i guess closer to like indie rock but really more like noise rock kind of band closer to like dead sea i would say uh type of band and i played i would play a lot of different instruments in that band i'd play violin i'd play sax i would play bass um i would do percussion stuff so it's like i would swap around i'd have like a little a whole like little army of instruments around me and just pick up whatever you know it was most of it was improvisation so i'd pick up whatever but Whatever you, I thought the piece needed. But the mode was more side mouse, right? You're you're aiding a bet in other guys, other cats' bands. In some ways, yes, but I was also writing a lot of songs. I was writing bluegrass songs for bluegrass bands, and I still do that actually. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I was writing like I was still writing folk music. I learned to I one of my favorites, uh, and he and he grew up really close to where I where I lived is uh, Roscoe Holcomb, and yeah. I started tuning my guitar the way Roscoe Holcomb. T tuned his banjo essentially so i started like writing writing kind of like a droney like droney bluegrass music and i still i still i still do that i still write a lot of kind of like i don't know like left field bluegrass almost raga sounding uh folk music and uh well I understand about you, you know, doing recording on your own and stuff, but did you put bands around yourself? Yeah, mm -hmm. kind of. I mean, it was it was a collective, but it, often I would end up being the singer because no one wanted to. Um, and I would end up writing most of the songs because no one wanted to. I've always, you know, I don't I would I don't necessarily enjoy being a, a quote unquote front man. But I there's been times where it was necessary, essentially. And I really do like writing songs. I mean, that's my, you know, that's my, that's my abiding passion. You know, I wrote at, at this point, you know, close to 3000 songs, I would say, you know, maybe five of them are good, but I, I, I've written a lot of songs. And so I was, yeah, I was just like every single day writing a different song and in a different kind of mode for the different bands I was in. I, I would say that that's, that's a pretty accurate representation, but I was doing sideman stuff too. Now, what about the tour thing? Did you get into that? Yes, I got. I started touring very, very young. I started, like I said, I started playing music in live when I was really young, uh, and I started touring. 
I think right out of high school, I started getting hit in the road and and touring. Maybe it was a year or two after high school, but it was, primarily it was like right out of high school. I was in a band that started uh, that started touring, and you know, I'd, I'd tour anywhere that I could. Basically, you know, I was doing it, I guess, more or less professionally. Did you get out here to California? I did. Yeah, I played. Uh, let's say I played L.A. I played. San Francisco, there was a festival in, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the town. It was like Northern, Northern California that I played, but yeah, I played, I played, I played in California a lot, I would say over the years. It's been years since I've been there, but maybe I think my last U.S. tour would have probably been, whole U.S. tour would have been like 2015 maybe, but yeah, I, I played, I played the West Coast a lot. And your first tour was out of high school. Did you do any of the driving? I did. I did most of the driving. Yeah, yeah. that's what I want to hear. I was the only one that had a car. <laughs> you toured in a car? Um, two cars. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, the drum set. <laughs> yeah, very, I know this cat was telling this cat told me about touring in a mini van, and the drummer. <laughs> Drummy had to fucking hold the snare drum on his lap. Yeah. You know, hundreds yeah. of miles driving with the snare drum on his lap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a, I had a PV, uh, like a PV Echo uh, a reverb amp that I that I sat with in the front seat. If I wasn't driving, whoever was, whoever was in the passenger seat had to have an amp on their lap. Whoever <laughs> were in the two back seats had to have amps on their lap. And even the driver had miscellaneous percussion stuff on there. It was pretty dangerous, actually. Yeah, 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 right. Because, you know, gravity's holding that all down. So you get the wreckage <laughs> flying around. I was in a wreck with Jay Maskus and that shit, Marshall Head's flying around. But Jay got his back broke. It was in Sweden. So luckily it cost him nothing. But, but, yeah, I said, don't move. He broke his back. He didn't wear seatbelts. He was afraid of fires. He wears them now, though. <laughs> Learn the hard way. Yeah, I mean, it was scary. We went on the side and slid near Groningen. Uh, what, 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 was it in anybody's mind about maybe we get a van? I think that was probably that probably would have been the wisest choice, definitely. <laughs> uh, or, or what about what about what about halfway, like station wagon? <laughs> you know, in the old days, the jazz guys like John Coltrane, he loved uh, country squires. You know, I think I did. My grandfather had like a, a Ford station wagon, like an 88 Ford station wagon. I think I did take that on. I somehow talked him into letting me take that on tour once. <laughs> <laughs> People, it's the November 18, 2020 edition of Pedro Show. Special guest, Zach Coons. Hold tight for hour two. I, it's like memories from childhood, but the memories are foggy, so I had to... Manhandle them. Yeah. <laughs> November 18, 2020, it's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show. Billy Hatcher is always mistaking Mercury for the Caravaggio painting where Judas betrays Jesus. He's sitting in his car outside Riverfront Park in downtown Cincinnati. The sun has set about an hour ago, and that tiny ocean planet whirls into the cloudless night sky. Side 
guy's foam hand holding up the pointer finger to demonstrate that the Reds are number one. And in 1990, she is right. Because the Reds swept the series, and there's not a lot that the steroid and amphetamine-addled Bash Brothers can do about that now. That mushroom. It'll dawn on you that you called it wrong when the coin was tossed. That's when you realize all hope is lost. And ain't it a cold, hard lesson to learn at the point of no return? Tried your best to keep things in line. Never noticing your best ideas were dying on the vine. You might have kept your mind in a positive frame, but everything went sour, brother, just the same. And now you stand above the whirlpool, just watching it churn at the fall point of no return.
it's a road. You would be an unpaved section with huge ruts curving up in the mountains, Jose Rio. And when I look into those mud puddles, I see my dad handing me a cigarette while he takes off his jacket in the car. WLW 700 AM and Marty Brennan's smooth drugged voice announces the controversial moment when Chris Sabo punched you in the dugout during a game with the Giants in 91. I take a few moments to listen to the imp in my mind rage and realize that he's weaving in and out of traffic and causing other drivers to serve off the road. that we're both a warped baseball and even the pitcher with the most precise aim can never guess if we'll land over the plate.
fiori viola Fiori da sposa
that's okay, Zach. Somebody's got to do it. Uh, Somebody's got to do it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like taking out the trash, right, or, or flushing the, <laughs> the head. Uh, start off the second hour with Billy Hatcher from Coons and Weaver. Uh, Sam Bennett out of Tokyo from uh, Point of No Return. Well, that's the name of the tune, people. He was on the show last Friday. Illuminating my bared breast, Zach Coons. To remember version from His Name is Alive. Uh, Jose Rio, Coons and Weaver. Uh, you know, I, yeah, we live in Pedro, but I don't say Rijo or Frijos <laughs> or uh, fucking, what's the other one? Jalapenos and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so you know we're not to tortillas we're not totally retarded we fuck up the beach okay it's cabrillo and we say pedro but i think that's litmus test well i don't know it was this way when i got here from virginia so then we had a uh Rugine from giovanni al dopo dopio gene and then finally goodbye my little blue-eyed boy goodbye zach coons that sounds like a holler backwood holler thing it, it absolutely is. Yeah, I actually I have such a clear memory of the day that I wrote that. Tell us. Uh, so I was uh, at that time I was working in the uh, mental health field. I was working with people with, with traumatic brain injuries. And uh, one of my patients fell asleep on we were sitting in a, uh, like a rocking swing together. We were you know, I was doing like a uh, more or less a counseling session with him. And he fell asleep and we were sitting in this uh, rocking chair. And I just finished reading uh, uh, Flannery O'Connor's A Good Man is Hard to Find. Yeah. And the end of that, it's like, you know, I put a little bit of my childhood in there. And at, at, at the same time, you know, like all of it is a way to process really difficult things and to tell the truth. I think I think music, it's it's incumbent upon us. As, as writers in music to, to, to tell the truth if we don't if we gloss over and don't talk about things that are actually happening in the world I think we become complicit you know so it's really important to talk about really challenging complex dangerous frightening things if we don't do that we're I think we we miss the mark John Coltrane um, said he thought all musicians were looking for some kind of truth he said a musician could tell when something's phony I believe that. Yeah, I believe that very strongly. I think, I think music is a battle for the soul of the world. I, I really strongly believe that, you know? Um, and it's, I think every, every musician should find a way to talk about things that aren't talked about, especially if you're writing lyrics. You know, I wrote that song, you know, Goodbye, My Little Blue-Eyed Boy, Goodbye, I, you know, I grew up in a very religious uh, household. I went to church three times a week. Never, never missed church. Read the Bible straight through several times. I knew, I knew it like the back of my hand. But I knew a lot of people who the the concept of hell is so dangerous to people. You know, I knew people that wished that their children were never born because. Once you're born, you have the possibility of of ruining your life and going to quote unquote hell. I don't believe in hell, but I was I was taught that that was a place, and so there there were there were extremists that would have this thought of like 
you know, let's get, let's get, I, I had this vision in my mind of, of this woman who, who believed that it would, it was better to drown her child than to let her child live in a really rotten world, which is a, you know, it's a, it's a painful thought, yeah. but a, but a true thought. And it happens. And, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking. It, 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 it really breaks my heart, but it's important to talk about heartbreaking things. What else is there to talk about? Well, some music, you know, you said the stuff with the lyrics should take on these things, but what instrumental, uh, let's say John Coltrane's Alabama. Yeah. Talking about a church, right? That was firebombed. Those four little girls. Exactly. Goodbye Pork Pie Hat by and, Charles uh, Mingus. Yeah, yeah, that was for Lester Young, right? Absolutely. Yep. There's something about that, right? Where emotion. Because I read somewhere, John Coltrane said he used Dr. King's phrasing to help him write that. Yeah. So and you can hear a, it. Uh, there's kind of a bridge. Because I, I, I got, Absolutely. I, think, I, think, I think music was before words. I'm just making a guess here, Zach. But <laughs> I, I, I agree with, I, I absolutely agree with that. I want to play um, here uh, Barry Larkin. Barry Larkin, whirling, whirring, hurdy-gurdy, curly-cue, diddy-wad-diddy. Why don't you turn loose of that old billy goat long enough to have your head kicked in by the November sky. Barry Larkin and I sitting in the dust near home plate in an empty stay-in. And I'm by the grown man and terrified lonesome child. Barry rises to his feet and I stay on my knees. Barry lays his hand on the top of my bowed head and says, Zach, you are so small. And all the pain in your life comes from wanting to be larger. And all those years of shame and grief and wasted promise and humiliation vanish in an instant of grace. The stadium fills with rowdy, ravenous fans, and the home plate umpire appears from the side entrance, unable to contain his ecstasy, and he cries out joy. Jose Canseco, who is pumped full of human growth hormones and reduced to rubble by the inescapable allure of Madonna, cries out joy, and we all play ball.
Someone you've never met has a package from someplace far off for your time. Even if you've given up hope for a better life, which is the overgrown path joy chooses to encounter as a mom. Wake your sleeping children and stir your loveless wife. Gather in your doorway and welcome the stranger who has a gift for you from some far off land.
smart shot. I've seen that old horse you have in your backyard tied to the sycamore tree who's rich show. And whose teeth are too tired to chew the dead grass in your lawn. Let me tell you something, Marge. That horse exemplifies the way that you look at this world. And when I saw those xylophone ribs, I saw you ordering four steaks at the Jeff Ruby Steakhouse. One for you, one for the trash can, one to flush right down the toilet, and one more to send back to keep the low-rent little kitchen bakers on their toes. Starting in Cincinnati and working our way through the Midwest. I doubt you've ever done that kind of calculation in your head, have you? The only thing that keeps you up at night is wondering how much milk you're going to get from that starving horse. Well, Marge, I've got some bad news for you. That horse is male, so you're going to get zilch. Welcome to the world, Marge.
There's two children in that house One of them drowned in the bathtub Body broken by a falling rafter And the other just ash and bone Felt it coming on for some time Felt my mind strain Losing track of this world Wondering where I was most of the time It was like being in some dream Wandering around this place It looks kindly familiar Recognize people as Confusion was terror. Confusion was loss of love. I saw myself sitting on the porch. I was in a wheelchair. Shitting myself, mumbling. My grandson looks so much like my daddy Every time I looked at him I felt daddy's hands on my body In the night I felt daddy's hands on my body In the night I had to catch myself Cause I kept wanting to talk to him Like a little girl talks to a My daughter brought him and my other grandson over one day so I could watch them for her when she went to work. He was taking a bath and he called for me to come in and help him wash when I Something to me that daddy used to say, and I grabbed him by his hair and I held him under the water. He struggled for a while, and then his little body went limp. I went downstairs and locked the younger one in a closet. God, there's so much in this world worth forgetting. God, there's world much in this world worth forgetting. Bought for Pedro Show. Yeah, Coons and Weaver with Barry Larkin. All these baseball heroes, huh? Troopa Troopa from Poland <laughs> after that with Miracle. Then uh, Coons and Weaver with uh, Joe Oliver. You know, I had to, uh, there were so many, I had to pack them all in here, okay? 
because I, I didn't want people to have any holes in their experience. Bombas Prendon. Now, these guys have thousands of songs. In fact, uh, Corvus just found, I don't know, the backup CDs. Like, Yeah, and they only did five or six gigs, but like thousands, thousands of songs. These cats, more by the D.C. area. Starting in the 80s. Uh, Malay, Deadfall after that, from Bombas Prendon. Then Coons, uh, Coons and Weaver, sorry, Tom Browning and 38 Tigers, which has got a Bombas Preden. In fact, I think him, not Bombas, it's Bomas. Fuck. fuck. I'd, I'd, I'd fuck up a two-car cracker funeral. I was told that when I was, <laughs> when I was younger. And Zach Coons after that, giving birth to stones and islands. That's that's a picture. That's a mental uh, <laughs> image, <laughs> Zach. And the Harper, Bruce, and St. George. Now, and one of these is using a pseudonym. It's actually... Delia Derbyshire, who was a big pioneer and innovator with electronic music. And we're not talking keyboard people. We're talking cut up tape and using oscillators. Then Snowbird with After Party. Yeah, of course, there's a Y in the bird. And Zach Coons finally with uh, Adeline Deacon. Okay, tell us about the baseball record. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I, I grew up playing baseball. I, I, I loved the baseball. I played baseball all through all through school. I went I lived close enough. I guess my 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 closest team was the Cincinnati Reds. Radio show. Hold on. And sure. No, that, that not you. That was a motherfucker on the phone. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, so I, I actually went and went, I went to my, my dad was a big Cincinnati Reds fan and we, we went to the Reds. Uh, Cincinnati Reds game a lot in 1990. In fact, we went to the, a lot of Reds games when they when they won the series. Um, and I've always wanted to write. I've always wanted to write about baseball because I like to write about things that seemingly no one really writes about, and I like to write write about them in ways that um, surprise me. I like I, I really like surprising things. You know when I when I you know, if somebody listens to, listens to the Reds album and they hear, you know, they, they see that there's a song about Chris Sabo and, you know, I think they, they form a really particular uh, image in their mind. It's going to be about this or that. I like to be I like to be surprised. I, I really surprised myself a lot as I was writing them. You know, it was like really unusual free association. I put things from my childhood. I interjected myself and Rick all through the album uh, I had like bizarre visions when I was writing. I I, I was reading uh, Young's Red Book when I was writing um, the the nineteen ninety Cincinnati Reds album, and that's a book about where he's basic. Uh, it's basically Young is having um, kind of like he's going into psychosis, a very controlled psychosis, and allowing these what he called this collective unconscious to just go to a quiet, quiet place and allow this to flood into his consciousness and essentially is hallucinating. And the album is the album that I, the, the, the text anyway, is very hallucinatory. I just closed my eyes. I wrote it all from like four in the morning to eight in the morning. I, I would wake up at four in the morning, write us. And between four and eight, I would allow myself to get into this kind of unusual hallucinatory, almost, psychotic state in a way you know not not in a dangerous way. it was very controlled but i would allow things from childhood to, to pop in there i would allow 
You let um, down your guard. I, I got to cut you off. We're going to continue with this, but we're at the end of the second hour. November 18, sure. 2020, Dish Wapito Show. Special guest, Zach Coons. Hold tight for hour three. November 18, 2020, this, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show. Could you please come over here, Norm Charlton? I need some help. My buddy cut my stomach open with the lid from an expired can of Rotel diced tomatoes when I was sleeping, and now there's blood everywhere. Norm is on his back in midair, arms open, beatific face in rapture, listening to some far off chorus of angels. And here I am, losing consciousness from loss of life. Norm is levitating and indifferent to my cries. He softly says, There is no blood, and my wound closes, and my friend's wild, savage heart is overcome by mercy. He comes in from the kitchen. Sees all the blood on the floor, sees the jagged hotel room, sees my healed wound, and somewhere in this world it is Sunday. Somewhere a bell rings out. Somewhere Norm Charlton's fastball catches the left corner of the plate, and Ricky Henderson returns to the dugout with his head hanging low. The choir of angels stand on the Oakland A's dugout with Norm Charlton's ethereal, deathless body hovering slightly above them. This one belongs to the Reds.
Martyrs. You know, I don't care if a dog's mouth is cleaner than Hal Morris's. I'd still give him a big, wet kiss. And if the mercury is 40 below, it's no time for a Baltimore Oreo to be dragging her feathers around in the snow. And all the while, just outside our window, the Carolina wind cries out, I need you, I need you, I need you, while God crushes her underfoot. Just kidding. God doesn't do that. God has a small foot, and everyone escapes untrampled. But the end is near. I have a picture of Hal Morris posing with six dolphins in Florida with the world's biggest shit-eating grin crawling over that perfect face of his. I have some bad news for you, Hal. Those dolphins were drugged, and that's the only way you were able to get so close to them. What can I say? The world is not a perfect place. And I think we need to forget that tired old painted lady the divorced used car salesman sold us for half a ham sandwich that someone's coming to save us. Lot for Pedro Show start off the third hour with Norm Charlton with Coons in Weaver with the Cincinnati Red Record, 1990. Blue Mountain Way, Wasted Space, as Crane. He's up in Idaho these days. He's a pimp. Water's Blood, Zach Coons from his solo stuff. The Dwarves with Trailer Trash, Coons and Weaver. Mariano Duncan, Grand Champion after that, Nothing on Me. Zach Coons, A Garden in Cypress. We got Cypress here in, uh, I mean, a town. Yeah, of course, trees too. Yeah. Right, right. The rappers, Cypress Hill is the name of Proj. It's not too far from Peter. Uh, collateral damage from Arno Corps. And finally, Coons and Weaver with Hal Morris. So uh, continue with your uh, the, the baseball record and, and, and your, your partner in the creation. Yeah, you know, I, I would like to take some time to talk about Rick because, you know, that, that obviously that album, that, that album couldn't have happened without Rick. And, and I, I just have the highest possible respect for him. And, and, and he's, 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 you know, I, I recently read a book, uh, Mike, about the, the Leuven brothers. They're one of my, you know, they're one of my favorite, uh, they're one of my favorite acts. Yeah, and it talks about blood harmony, you know, the way that they, the way that they sing together, only people with with like, or, you know, also stage ESP. And I know you've experienced that where you're, you're, you know, you can hear it on the Minutemen records where you all are just so in tune with one another that if you started playing something entirely different, the band would be able to pick right up on that and follow you wherever you're going and vice versa. Um, Petra Hayden and her sisters, Charlie Hayden's daughter. I mean, uh, well, actually they're, they're triplets, but two are identical once fraternal. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I kind of, I, I kind of relate to that blood harmony of the Lubin brothers and a lot, and, and that, you know, what you call stage ESP with Rick. Rick and I have been working together now for a really long time. We're in contact and working on things every single day. And I feel like we're, we've got to the point where we have this kind of blood harmony, this simpatico that I don't have to write any music because the music I hear in my head for each track, Rick just knows how to do it. He just, it, you know, it's like I, there's there's no reason for me to 
compose any music because Rick knows exactly. It, it, it's it's kind of spooky in a way. It, it's a kind it's a kind of ESP where I hear things in my head and then Rick sends me the track after it's finished, and it's like it, it's so remarkably close to what I hear in my head that it kind of it's kind of it's kind of spooky in a way, in a really beautiful way. Um, How did you meet him? You know, Rick, I was in a band called Social Junk and we were touring in maybe 2004 and, and Rick was in this band, New Flesh. Um, and we toured together. We played several shows together and uh, Rick and I got to be pretty close doing that. And I, I think Rick and I both had this same really uh, unusual view for <laughs> how we wanted how we want to accomplish and the things that we want to accomplish and, and the way in which we're going to accomplish it. Um, and <clears throat> we started, um, I guess we started making the music that we wanted, that we wanted to hear really unusual music, but we, we wanted to do it in, a, in like, I guess cover things that aren't really usually, you know, I guess music, that is kind of what whatever you want to call it, avant-garde experimental noise. Usually it has a very, um, very powerful edge to it. Um, I think we want, I think both of us wanted to try to do something that was somewhat gentle in a way. Um, because it's, to me, it's a really interesting thing to explore, uh, to, 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 to do un, unusual music, but to, to have moments of pathos in there and and gentleness and, and and humanity and 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 generosity and but also you know the pain and the complexity and the difficulty and the surreal out the the I guess hyper reality of life um, trying to capture all those things and uh, you know I I couldn't I I I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't have done an album like the Cincinnati Reds without Rick. It, it just, it, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been possible. Um, Rick is, um, Rick always surprises me. That's what, that's what I love when I, when in collaboration, I always, it's like he hears the music that I want to do, but he puts things in there that absolutely confound me. They confuse. I love to feel confused when I'm listening to music. <laughs> and he puts in he puts little passages in there that just I don't understand them at all, and I love that I don't understand them. It's it's things that I would really have never thought of doing. Uh, that's what I love about collaboration. You know, they, they people do things that I would have never expected, and it fits so perfectly that it ties back in with what I was talking about earlier. That that blood harmony. Yeah, I want to play Lou Pinnell. during the Tet He was sleeping one off, huddled in a little hut in a hamlet, surrounded by the merciless, never-ending South Vietnamese jungle. And that was one year before he won AL Rookie of the Year. The real Lupinello was a character in a German fairy tale whose little 
little brother is lost. He had to sweet talk a wizened world weary turtle so that he could cross a dangerous swamp full of snarling, starving alligators to be reunited with his bumbling brother, who is freezing to death in the black forest surrounded by wolves. And that was 600 years before he won the pennant with the 1996 Nat Reds. The real Lupinella is a baby black snake ensnared in the talons of a Cooper's hawk. And anyone who has studied the shadow in a Vermeer painting will know why he wriggles, but not enough to get free. And while he was being fed to the hawk's hatchlings, he was filming a car dealership commercial with Ozzy Gio.
Marty Brenneman was in grade school, there was an abundance of wetlands near his home. Marty was a lonely child, quiet, if you can believe it, and never once in his life was he rounded third and headed for home. Walking near these wetlands one afternoon when school had let out, he heard a muffled, gurgling cry coming from a patch of cattails. Marty peered out across that expanse of shallow water and saw a toddler flat on his back, face half submerged, tired from struggling to keep its nose and mouth above the algae blooms and floating rhizomes, and face yellow with pollen and blue as an unrequited lover's heart. Marty took off his shoes and socks, rolled up his trouser legs, and off our little hero trudged into that silty, swampy morass. But as he got closer, he noticed something peculiar. The drowning toddler had become a panting fawn that had been pierced by a primitive stone arrow. Marty moved still nearer, thinking, I can remove the arrow if she'll stay still enough. And as he closed the distance to within a couple of flat-footed boyish strides, he realized that it was God laying in the water, and a hush and darkness and timelessness fell over the universe, so that the only two beings left in it were God and this small, muddy-footed child. Marty stammers out a phrase, incomprehensible at first, but building to a fever pitch, and he finally exclaims with perfect lucidity, this one belongs to the Reds.
I found a child decaying in the thorn bush today. I saw myself in the distance. That's where I've always been, far away from everything. I puked up blood this morning. I laid on the floor and I wanted to die. I laid on the floor and I wanted to die.
Todd Benzinger dressing like Abraham Lincoln for Halloween in 1990 after he wins the World Series. And you just better believe he's wearing his ring, whether he's on his table or not. Todd Benzinger having just a little more to drink than usual, standing in the gravel driveway of his Erlanger, Kentucky, of a state, howling at the moon and anyone within shouting distance who will listen, screaming over and over again, I will hit 275 next year. Starting first baseman for the Cincinnati Reds. You can see him. He's in that ill-fitted Abraham Lincoln outfit, and he's pissed down his leg. There are four hoot owls perched on his lanky, outstretched arms. Each of them are using human language to proclaim in unison: "This man will hit at least 275 next year." With their warbly, bobbling owl beaks. Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Lou Pinella from Coons and Weaver. Then Sigoti, uh, three Italian guys with the Tullum. Tullum's living in New Mexico these days. Sometimes with our knowledge master. That's a title. <laughs> Jack, <laughs> Zach Coons, the kids are with their dad this weekend. A joy cut with kids, kids, kids. Coons and Weaver. Uh, Marty Brennerman. Egregious Phil's Bin. Now, this is, you know, if you take the K out of punk rock, you got pun rock, right? <laughs> Portland 2020, did you feel it? Yeah, he said, man, I had to you know, somehow capture the riot sound. I said, you should have got some of the unmarked van sounds. <laughs> Zach Coons with August 28 after that. Aiden from Huma, brand new. And then finally, Todd Benzinger. Coons and Weaver. So where can people find you on the internet, Zach? Uh, you know, I've, I, I have a Bandcamp page. Um, that's probably both. Uh, we have a Coons and Weaver Bandcamp page, and we have, I think, eight releases on there. And then I have my own Bandcamp page. Uh, I think I have maybe six or seven albums on there. You and said, then I'd be, Zach, you said you did literature. So is there a Zach Coons website? There is there's one in the offing. There's 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 one that's being developed. Okay, um, I'm not against Bandcamp at all. I just heard that they're going to start doing gigs, streaming. I cannot wait. And only yeah, 10, Rick and I only ten percent. <laughs> it's going to they're going to take nothing until March or something, and then it's only going to be ten percent. People are going to be able to do gigs over the thing, and at the Bandcamp, people are really supporting music in a real way and not just jive. Like a, I'm not going to even mention these other motherfuckers. But, um, <laughs> But it'd be really interesting because I, I know a lot of music cats that also do writing, and it's really interesting. They, they, you know, because they've de delved into both worlds of communicating th with the human spirit. So I can't wait to read your stuff. Like Brother Skits in Amarillo, he, uh, uh, some great books he's written, and uh, he's happening musician guy too. Uh, what, 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 what are you doing now? You say you write songs every day right now? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm still, I still write at least a song every single day. I, I carve out, I, I carve out some time early in the morning. I wake up really early. I live on a farm, so I, I do farm work every day. 
Uh, I'm also doing engineering work right now, but I carve out some time every single day to do some writing and usually do some music. That's so great. I'm working on like four albums right now. I, I think this year I put out 11 albums. You know, wow. Wow. So Zach Coons dot bandcap dot com right we're, we're talking yeah. z-a-c-k-k-o-u-n-s people and check <laughs> that out that i mean to me that is so inspirational just the idea of having to set up a sketch and, and stick to that discipline and that focus that's bitching it, it's a way to order my life that i can make sure that the i i really strongly believe this and i, I know this is the case for you too uh Mike, that the reason I'm on this planet, you know, most of us are, <clears throat> unfortunately, one of the big problems with the human race is a, a loss of meaning. But, you know, so if you can orient your life around what you really do well and make sure that you try and give that gift away, you know, and, and do it for the same reason that flowers bloom and birds sing, you know, it's not really for a lot of people listening to it is doing it because that's what I, that's what I, I really believe I was born to do. It's, you know, so if, if that's the case, if I really believe that and I do, then I would be, it's kind of a betrayal if I don't do it all the time. I feel it's kind of a betrayal. Yeah. That, that makes good sense. And when you get a couple more records done, will you come back on the show? We can play them and talk about them. You bet. That would be such a thrill for me. Okay, yes, man. absolutely. Brother Zach, keep on keeping on. People, it's been the November 18, 2020 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder right.